Lord, we just ask that you'll be with Dad, Matt, as he speaks, Lord, that your um, words will fall off his lips, that you just guide him in to say what you have planned and that you know what's going to happen and we trust in your big picture and everything we've got going. Amen. Uh, kia ora. Uh, yes, I met dad, as opposed to Matt husband. Um, uh, and um, I am the uh, one of the ring-ins for this morning, as uh, we have a number of people uh, uh, in our congregation who are sick. Um, and as we, before we start, I'd like to pray for them. So, uh, Pastor James and uh, has got uh, I think both him and Tessa. And last I heard, Elena all have COVID, as does uh, Tessa's mum. So they're all isolating up in Tauranga. Um, the Boutels have, uh, or are isolating, some of them have COVID. Um, and Rob and Susan, who were uh, going to be doing communion this morning, are sick. I'm not sure what with. And also a um, um, Rania, who's a, um, do you describe her as a missionary? Yeah, evangelist, missionary, she does all sorts of different things in Lebanon, uh, is sick with COVID and is actually in hospital with it. With um, So uh, right now, I'd just like us, if we could all stand, please, and we can just um, bring these people before the Lord and anyone else we know who may be um, uh, ill with anything, really. Lord Jesus, you did come to set the captives free, to set us free from oppression and uh, one of the things that oppress, oppresses people is illness. And so, Lord, we ask for your freedom now for all the people that are named and, and anyone else that we, that, that, that we know who is, who is sick, whether it's with COVID or something else, we ask right now in your name, Jesus, for healing for those people. We ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and you would heal them wholly and completely, that there would be no lasting damage, that they would know your healing right now. In your name, Jesus. And we ask for your protection upon them. We ask for uh, you to wrap them in your love and your protection that they would not, that they would not only be healed, but they would be restored and they would be uh, protected from any attacks of the, the enemy or anything else that might be going on that would seek to rob and steal and oppress these people. Heal them now in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, oh, I forgot my... There you go. Thank you. So over the past few weeks, we have been talking about the kingdom of God. And last week, Natalia spoke and talked about one of the things she said was if you want to talk about the kingdom, you have to, before you talk about the kingdom, you have to meet the king. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the king of the kingdom today um, and about uh, just what he's, what he's done and what he's doing and what his call is for us to do. Uh, if I'm a little bit scatterbrained today, just please bear with me. I had a, not a great night's sleep last night, so I'm feeling a little bit all over the place at the moment, so we'll just see how we go. 
Uh, before we get stuck into Jesus in particular, stuck into him, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Um, uh, already we're going off the rails. That's all good. Um, uh, so I just wanted to really quickly go through the big picture, right? The, the Bible is the story of God's love, really, for his creation and for his people. And it starts out, in, at the, in the beginning, heaven and earth are joined. They are, there's this place of unity between the, the, the realm of God and the realm he created, earth. And God is eternal and unchanging and, uh, and is the source of eternal life and so sustained and sustains this creation. And people were given the, the responsibility to walk the earth as God's representatives and to be his agents, to, to, in a sense, to reflect God to creation and reflect creation's worship back to God. And at some point in that journey, people decided that they didn't want to be aligned with God. They would rather be their own gods. And that's what we often call the fall. And that led to the separation. Uh, as people rejected God and rebelled against him, it led to a separation of these two places because the, the God's place is holy and it's his, the place of his rule and reign and people who are rejecting him can't be in that space. And that broke the connection we have with eternal life and brought death and sin and, and rebellion into creation. And so there's this broken creation that we read about through the story of the Bible and through history. Um, and that's, and we see this in, in the story of the Bible, we see this constant cycle of people trying to find a way back to God and, and becoming close, and he draws near to them as they um, repent, and then they make idols and they step away from him and, and things get worse again. And so there's this cycle of, of brokenness that is woven through creation and woven through the story. But through all of the, what we call the Old Testament, all the books of, um, you know, that were written uh, by the Hebrews in the time of Israel, there's this thread that runs through it that is this thread of God's great love. I read, the, I read about the year of the Lord's favour uh, from um, Isaiah, and Zoe read from, what psalm was that? Yeah, um, again about the hope in the Lord. And we see in these, these uh, prophecies and stories this desire this, of God's desire to restore and redeem his creation and make it new. And so in the King, King Jesus, there's this moment, right, where Jesus comes and he is the the last word, in a sense, that God has. In, in, the, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how he is the, the, the last word. He is the, the most profound revelation of God's love for people. And he comes and he lives this life, this incredible life, a life without sin, a life without failure or brokenness. And he uh, goes out and he, he steps into the work of the kingdom at about 30-odd, and he goes and he goes to the poor and the oppressed and the sick 
and the the um, both the physically and mentally sick. And he he goes and he 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 exercises demons, not exercises, but um, you know. Uh, the one, yeah, the other one. He casts out demons. There you go. That's a better language for it. He heals the sick. He heals. He heals lepers. He he gives sight to the blind. Right. So it says in here, the Lord in the the year of the Lord's favor, the Lord, sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkest, uh, release from the darkness for prisoners. And so. He came with this mission to set people free. And then, and that's the first step in God's grand plan. It's not really the first step, it's the major step. It's the step that changes everything in God's grand plan to save the world, basically. We, uh, Natalia and I went to see Thor Ragnarok, or no, Thor Love and Thunder last night, you know, in this classic superhero movie. They want to save the world. Well, this is a real plan to save the real world. And, it, and it's incredible. And we are called to be a part of that plan. It just it, it blows me away. Um, but we'll get to that. So the end of all of this is the restoration and the, well, not the, the restoration and renewal of this place where heaven and earth are joined and God dwells with his people. And there's no pain, no tears, no mourning, it's a place of peace and love, community, and uh, much, much more. So that's the big picture. So zooming right into, I wonder if the, oh, the lasery thing works. There you go. Zooming right into this bit of the picture here is where, where I want to go. So Jesus, what was he doing? So Jesus, I think uh, one of the things we... we need to recognise with Jesus is that he was fully human and fully divine. He was this person who was, uh, you know, God had stepped off the throne of infinity and stepped into our world in the dust and the mud and the blood and the, and the pain of our world. But he was also fully human and he experienced all of that as this this uh, as a person, as we do. So, in a sense, uh, he 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 takes humanity into himself. So, what was he doing when he came? So, these are in the various gospels. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He says why he's here. These are his purpose statements, uh, or summaries of his purpose statements. And he came. If we, if we look back at the year of the Lord's favor, he came to announce and demonstrate the kingdom. So the kingdom, when we talk about a kingdom, the kingdom is the place of rule and reign of the king. It's right where, it's where the king's uh, will is done. And for Jesus, that is not a physical territory as much as it's a spiritual and a, a, a volitional territory where people are doing his will. The kingdom is, is coming and is there. And so he goes out with this message and he, 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 one of the things he says is repent and believe the good news. Um, the kingdom of heaven is near or the kingdom of heaven has come. And so he's announcing this kingdom, but he's not just saying it with words, he's announcing this kingdom with his deeds. He, he heals people, he 
restores sight. He uh, forgives sins, right? So we see that he came. Um, the Son of Man is this uh, technical term. It comes from an Old Testament book in the Bible called Daniel where there's this vision of the Son of Man who goes up and represents all of humanity in, in the, the, the casting down of evil and sin and death. And so he comes in that role as this person who's going to overcome the brokenness of the world. He's going to overcome the things that, 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 that drag us down, the, the devil, sin, and death. And he comes to do that, and he comes to give his life as a ransom for that. And he also comes to, to set the captives free. Right? And this is, this is one of the things I really want to focus on today is this idea of, of, of setting the captives free and freedom for people. You know, I, um, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is, despite all the best hopes and aspirations of people, and we, we keep doing good things, but we keep doing bad things as well. Individually, no one is perfect, right? I mean, I, I know I have not had the most perfect week. Uh, I have, you know, and I've, I've made uh, mistakes. I've thought badly of people. I've, um, you know, I've sinned, basically, without putting too fine a point on it. Um, and yet I still want to do good and I still want to, um, to be, you know, to, to do good in the world. And I think most people feel that way and feel torn between this desire to do good and sometimes our inability to do so because it's hard, right? I mean, like I said, my, uh, my job is disestablished at, at work and that's, it is what it is. I, I'm not particularly, um, I knew it was happening. In fact, I advocated for it um, because the change we need to make is a good change. But now it makes me anxious because if I don't have a job in three months' time, I can't keep my mortgage in the manner to which it's accustomed, let alone the family. Um, and so the, and, and you know, there's all these things that come with that, all these worries, right? Does that mean if I don't get a job, I'm gonna have, we're going to have to sell the house, right? Things like that. So rightly or wrongly, that, ang that gnaws at you, right? And it leaves you feeling a little bit like, um, a little bit, less gracious, a little bit less resilient and uh, a little bit less willing to think nicely and act nicely towards people. And I, certainly this week I've had a couple of moments where I look back on them and go, that's not really not very good, Matt. And so we have this tension that we live in. But... <laughs> The thing that, that carries me, I'm, I'm way off track right now, but anyway, the thing that, that, that actually carries me in this is that I have this hope. I have this hope for something better. There is this world, this new creation, the, you know, the last two dots um, on that picture, where there is hope and peace and love and care. And funnily enough, work, right? We are made to work, but that, that I will be able to work in the manner to which God made me to work, and that will be fulfilling work and satisfying work for the kingdom.
And so in my, you know, I can rest on that hope now. And I trust God that he will have a, he has a plan. He's working it out. He's working out how he can bring, use me to bring that kingdom to break in now. And so how can I be, you know, and how I can pray and I can ask him to make me a non-anxious presence in the place where everyone's feeling really anxious. Um, all my peers, all the whole leadership team uh, have all been disestablished and it's, um, there have been also been times when I've been able to speak peace and hope to those people. Because I have a grain of hope, right? I'm not my job. It's a very uh, male thing to really identify too strongly with your job and for that to become too much about who you are. But I know that I can, that in the end, my hope rests in something else. I am not my work. Anyway, I've, um, let's see if I can get back on track. Uh, so in John, he talks about how he is, he is uh, in John 12, Jesus talks about how he's, he's come. There's this great passage in there, and it, and it finishes with him saying that he has come in this hour to be lifted up and to draw humanity into himself. So he's coming not just as a person, but he's coming as this, this kind of representative of all of us. And that's uh, pretty awesome because he has, because he's fully God and fully human, he has the perfect life. He lives in perfect obedience to God. He doesn't, um, he's not like me who's all over the show. Uh, so what was he doing? So what was the gospel that he preached or that he lived out? There are, if we look through his life, there are these major events, right? So if you look at the, the Gospels, about 80% of the Gospels is devoted to his life and his ministry and what he taught people and what he did. The words that he spoke and the works that he did. And he, that's a, it's a great example to us, right? The, the, um, there's a, a thing that gets talked about in vineyard churches about being, you know, doing, doing, being a words a word worker, or doing the works, the words and works of Jesus. We can speak hope, and we can pray for people, and we can call his kingdom to come. He came uh, to demonstrate the kingdom, and as his people, we can be demonstrators of the kingdom too. He came, so we, we have this rebellion in our hearts, right? This brokenness that, that caused us to, humanity as a whole, and it's kind of it, we're, we're born into it, the sense of rebellion from God, the sense of, no, no, I don't want someone else to be in charge of my life. I want to be in charge of my own life. And speaking as someone who's tried being in charge of his own life, I've only had middling success at that. Um, you know, I, I, I think God's got a better plan for me than I certainly do. Um, and so he came... You know, I said he, to, to, to be that representative of humanity and, and in a sense to be a substitute for us when the consequences of rebellion against God are played out, rather than us having to take those consequences, he takes them for us. And he does that in his death on the cross. And, and, and the thing is, as if he died and he was still dead, we wouldn't be here, 
right? It's, it's, it's a very common thing in um, Protestant churches to focus on the fact that Jesus died for our sins and we make that the big thing. And it is big, it's really important, but it's not the only thing. Because if he wasn't resurrected on the third day, his death would be just another person who was killed on a cross, right? The Romans killed thousands of people on crosses. But he was raised on the third day. He is risen. And it's just such an amazing thing. Because what that means is that the death that came into the world has been overcome. It says the consequences of sin are death, right? The consequences of our rebellion is death. But death has been overcome. So there is a pathway back to being connected with eternal life, that eternal life that God gives. And so he came as that representative and he died and he was raised on the third day to show that we can have victory over sin and death, both personally, corporately, and we can be agents of that victory in the world. And he came... Oh, I'm... Did I turn it off? I did turn it off. There you go. So there we go. So in his ministry, he came to liberate people. And then he came uh, to be, to, to enable us to have forgiveness for our sin. And then he ascended to heaven. And he's now in heaven as our representative, our, our, you know, like, our, like our priest in heaven who's advocating for us and going, these are my people, and I am their God. And he is, and he sends in, in the book of Acts at Pentecost, he sends the Holy Spirit as a way of empowering us to be his people and to cleanse us and to, um, to, make us right with him, to connect us with eternal life. There's a great, and I'm not going to, I can't remember exactly um, where it is in, in the book of Hebrews where it talks about our, our hope is like a, an anchor into the heavenly throne room and that we can be anchored with that hope and anchor into that future, that new heaven and that new earth where, where everything will be restored and renewed, including us. And that hope can sustain us now. And we can become hope bearers in a world that is really challenged, right, and really struggling for want of hope right now. I mean, I'm not going to get into all the things that are going on in the world right now because you know, you just have to look at the news um, or look at your social media or whatever it is. But we have an opportunity to be different to that and we are called to difference. So... What does that mean for us today? And this is uh, where I want to finish. So one of the things that is characteristic of the kind of church that we are, a vineyard church, is that we love to pray and we love to see what God wants to do, what the Father wants to do. Uh, we, we will have time of ministry after this. where we will, If you want prayer for anything, we will stand with you and we will pray with you and we will ask for God to come and meet you where you are. And that is core to who we are. That's a part of our DNA as a vineyard church. But I, I think there's a, when we think about this big picture and this big story 
that we are invited to. I think there are some other things that we can look at. You know, what are the what are the um, what are the actions of Jesus when he was he was uh, on earth mean, and what can we look at? How can we look at those, and what what could they mean for us today? So I've just got a few things. Um, I am uh, shamelessly stealing from this book called Atonement in the Kingdom, which is a really um, quite heavy theological book at times, but it's amazing. It's just filled with so much good stuff. Um, and in that, uh, Derek Morphew, who's a vineyard, I think he's still a vineyard pastor in South Africa and certainly writer and theologian, um, talks about these things. He talks about mission, right? So one of the things that Jesus came to do was to make disciples and to make, uh, to make followers of him, to make people and agents of the kingdom. And it's one of his commands to his people to go and make disciples, to share the hope that we have. So this is not about going, we need more bums on seats in our church. It's not about that. This is about, this is how God's kingdom advances. It advances through people seeing and realising the truth of who Jesus is and connecting with the hope of what he has and what he gives to them. So, and, and we can be those people who can speak words of hope and do the works of Jesus, right? Speak the words of the kingdom and do the works of the kingdom. Uh, I'm enormously challenged at times by the idea of um, praying for people at work. Uh, I do sometimes though. Uh, um, I have uh, my boss as a Christian and it makes it a little bit easier to... to um, Pray with him at times. Um, it's it's interesting actually. I talked about how uh, we can act, what we can say, and what we can do in a way that's different to what pe- norm, uh, what people would normally do. So he has gone through the process of setting up this restructure, which has uh, disestablished my job. I might get a job in the new structure. I might not. Um, and every time we meet to talk about it. I ask him how he is because I know that he, he really actually likes the people who work for him and he is in this very lonely place right now where the people that should be his closest supporters, his, his leadership team, are all at arm's length because they're all a bit unnerved by what's going on. So I've made a conscious effort to, to not be that person, even though I'm, feel like, I'm feeling anxious, right? But to actually go, well, how do I care for him while this is happening? Because no one else is, right? And so in that, I'm both do, saying the words, but also doing the work of the kingdom by being, uh, for him, a non-anxious presence. Um, I've lost track. Um, so mission we're, we're called to be out there being agents of that kingdom right uh, and to see the kingdom advance through the uh, the transfer of our love and hope for, in, in God to other people by sharing with them what we have whatever that is and by helping them however they need that help
the environment. I, I'm uh, so I've been a, I don't know, I've been following God for twenty something years now, um, a year longer than I've been married. So um, maybe twenty six years, um, and the. I've always seen in Scripture this, you know, and, and right back at the very beginning of the Bible, when God creates people, he gives them dominion over the earth and asks them to look after it as his agents. And so for me, there's always been this call to look after the world, not just the people in the world, but the world. And um, I am often disheartened when I hear Christians talking about how you know, actually what we're going to do is we just have this ticket to heaven and we're going to escape the earth and let it all burn, right? I don't think that is biblical. I don't think that is what we are called to. I think there is a mandate for Christians to steward the earth. Uh, and a quote from the, this book that I was talking about, um, if the effect of the gospel is to restore us to the divine image, as in to make us image bearers, you know, that made in God's image, then it must restore to us the responsibility to care for the earth. So we, there's a call on our lives to care and love all of God's creation, not just the people, but the whole shebang, because it's being renewed and restored. And he loves it, right? When he made it, he said it was good. He's not abandoning it, so we shouldn't be either. Um, justice. So uh, I work in the court system. It's part of my job. And, and, and I've seen um, in a, a pretty mature Western democracy how that works and how it doesn't work. And I can tell you now there is no perfect human justice system, but there is a perfect heavenly justice system. And God's justice is predominantly for the poor and the oppressed. In Jesus, we see his ministry. He's constantly going to people who are the outsiders. Right? There, there are people who criticise him because he's eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. But he's going to those people because he knows they are the people who are oppressed by the systems of the world and they need what he can give them. We see him taking on corrupt and sinful systems of power that oppress people. He, he takes on the religious authorities of the day. I mean, he has some, some of his harshest words, brood of vipers, um, whitewashed tombs, which is a really, you're kind of like, what does that mean? But right, it looks pretty on the outside, but it's rotten inside. That's how he, and, and he really takes on those powers because what they do is they set up rules that keep people away from God. He's taking on the, the, the oppressive powers of the day. He's taking on empire. In the end, he is crucified by empire and then overcomes that in resurrection. So we are called to bring kingdom liberation. Who are the poor and the oppressed among us? One of the things that I've um, been thinking about a lot is in, in the Bible it talks about looking after widows and that's partly because when in, in a, the sort of the male-dominated society that, that uh, 
that they had then, if you didn't have a husband, you were really at risk. You were, you were seen, you're very much not even a second-class citizen. And so the, you know, the, you had, if you didn't have a, someone to look after you, essentially, legally, and uh, morally and socially, you could be um, cast out and become very poor, and the system wasn't set up to look after you. And the question, so we, we have a slightly different society now, um, but there are still widows among us. There are still people who are oppressed. I mean, I think about solo parents, for one thing, right? I, I look at uh, Natalia, my wife, uh, once said she, she heard a podcast talking to a person who was a solo parent and saying that they felt that the church dealt with um, drug addicts more fairly and reasonably than it did with solo parents. And so I think that we, um, and who else? Who else needs support? Who else needs help among us? How do we help people? And not just give them, say nice things to them, but how do we practically help them in their need? How do we help? How do we demonstrate the justice of the kingdom? How do we be liberators from oppression? Uh, equality. It's, a, it's a, a popular buzz word, or maybe, you know, today. And, and, but when I look at the kingdom to come, there is, there's talk of a multitude from every tribe and tongue and nation worshipping the Lord. And when I look at who is blessed by the Holy Spirit in the, the story of the church in the Bible and the story of the church through history, the Holy Spirit comes on men and women both. And on people of all nations and all uh, you know, races and tongues. And the, the systems in the Old Testament were patriarchal and uh, genealogical in the sense that it was a male-dominated society and if you weren't a Jew, you weren't in, right? But in the New Testament, we see the Spirit come on men and women equally and we see the Spirit come on Jews and Gentiles equally. So there's a... I'm just going to read this because I couldn't find a better way to say it. The nature of the church is a prophetic and uh, spiritually gifted community living in the reality of the age, the coming age. So the church is a word to the world about how community should be. The, 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 a body of believers should be a symbol and a representation of the kingdom to come, not the structures of the way things were. And then he goes on to say, important implications follow. Since the outpouring of the Spirit comes on men and women who are therefore brought together, or I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat, it's quite fancy language in here, so I'm just trying to make it a bit um, less um, fancy, but who are brought together as a community, a prophetic community, as in a representation of that future kingdom, it follows that the leadership that predominates, that, that, that gifted Holy Spirit leadership predominates over the Jewish 
the systems of the Old Testament, right, over the Jewish conceptions of male leadership. And if you look in the, in the book of Acts, there are, there are women. So there's a, 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 Paul writes a letter to the book of, uh, sorry, writes a letter to the church in Rome about how he wants to come and speak to them. And it's, it's wonderful. It's in the Bible. It's the book of Romans. And he gives that letter to, to a woman who's a leader in the church he's in. I think it's Phoebe. Uh, and she goes to Rome. And what was traditional then was the person who bought the letter would then read the letter to the church and teach on it. So, and so there is no place for discrimination in the church based on anything, actually. We are all equal in the eyes of God. Uh, in the negative sense, to put it as it's said in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In a more positive sense, Paul says later in, I think it's in the book of Galatians, that... Um, we're all we're all equal. There's no no Roman, no no Jew, no Gentile, no male, no female. We're all equal in the in the eyes of the Lord. No slave, no free. So we are called to look to that future that God has and be the conduit, the lightning rod for that future now. Whether that's in praying for someone to be healed whether that's in raising someone up to lead who wouldn't normally be raised up to lead, whether that's in uh, uh, giving food to people who need food, whatever it is, that is the kingdom today. That is what it means to be God's people today. We are saved, and that's amazing. We are, we are, our sins are forgiven, and I'm eternally grateful for that. But that doesn't stop there. I am called and we are called to be agents of a better world today. In this world where we are struggling, you know, there's war, famine, disease, and there's all sorts of stuff going on in New Zealand and overseas. And we can be different. We have the power of God with us to be different to be people who bring hope, light bearers, hope bearers, love bringers, peacemakers, healers, stewards of the earth. And I, God has a plan for each of us and he's going to call and he, and he calls us and walks us forward into whatever it is, you know, he's got things. It might be that there's a focus for you in all of this somewhere, but that he's calling you towards um, making disciples or he's calling you towards uh, care for the earth or justice or equality or uh, healing and so on. But he, man, he's doing some good stuff. And when I think about, you know, like I talked about this whole thing about my job, and at the end of the day, the thing that's been resonating in my mind is, I mean, I spend quite a lot of, a lot of, a lot of time at work, so I don't want this to sound flippant, but it doesn't matter what I do, actually, for a job, 
as long as I can, as I say, keep the mortgage in the manner to which it's accustomed. Um, I, wherever I am, I can be someone who carries and gives away for free hope and peace and love and mercy and compassion. And I don't have to, it doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing, I can do that. And so that's the call for us, I think, today. So what I'd like to do is, um, I don't know, pray, <laughs> ask for God to do stuff. Um, so if you could stand with me, I think it'd be good. Just We're just going to wait on the Lord for a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to invite him to come. He may speak to you. Uh, he may share words with you that are for you or encouragement for others. Um, if you think you have a word that's an encouragement for other people, please come up and um, I'm happy to, for, for you to share that. Uh, and um, we'll see what he's doing and then go from there. <sighs> wow. Heavenly Father, you are good. And now, right now, I, I, I feel like you are declaring the year of the Lord's favour over these people. I ask that you would come now, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing. We wait upon you. I think there are a number of them. So there's no limit to what we can pray for. Um, but I think there are a couple of things in particular that um, might, if, if 
this resonates with you, that I'd love to pray for you for them. The first, I think, is uh, healing, whatever it is. I mean, we prayed before about sickness. Uh, um, if there are any f- uh, physical, if there's physical healing that people need, then uh, we'd love to uh, pray for you. The, the other, there's two other things. One is that um, there's this idea of you know a kingdom agent being a non-anxious presence in a place of anxiety, and uh, I think that there may be some people here who are struggling with that. They're in a place where things are really difficult and anxious, and uh, and are looking for really uh, God, a connection with God to give them peace so that they can be a peaceful presence. And the last thing is calling, that, uh, that if you are wondering what it is that God might want you to do now or in the next few weeks or the next years or for your whole life or whatever, then I think um, that God wants to speak into that now. So uh, I'm just going to pray as a a wrap-up. And if you want prayer for anything else, then that's also good too. I'm just going to pray and wrap up. If you want prayer, you can come up here and I or someone else will pray with you. Uh, Otherwise, there will be coffee down the back and um, food to taste out the back. Um, So the coffee's over there. If you want to go and be a sampler for um, Nino, uh, go through the doors over there out the back. And and go into your week knowing that Jesus is with you. He's walking alongside you and he's talking to you. And he will lead you and guide you if you would attend to him. So Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can come together and we can, we can come together to worship you and glorify you. You are so good to us. And uh, I ask for your blessing on everyone here that as they go out into their week and to whatever it is that they're doing, that you would, they would know your presence with them, that they would know your peace in them and that they would go out as agents of your kingdom. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.